who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. And hello, everyone. My name is Jonathan Dormush, and this is Podcast Beyond, IGN's weekly PlayStation show covering all the latest and greatest in the world of PlayStation. Even though we're coming off of a major state of play last week, we have some PlayStation updates, some third-party updates, and some fun stuff to talk about this week. Uh, but before we get into it, I do want to remind you all, first of all, thank you to everyone who tuned in to that live state of play. Uh, if you didn't, that episode is up now on podcast feeds. It's on YouTube. It went up at a weird time, so if you missed it, we forgive you, but it's up there. You can go listen to it and basically hear Brian Altano shout for 40 minutes about how great Resident Evil 4 Remake looks. Um, but in addition to that, I just want to remind everyone, of course, that was just the beginning of Summer of Gaming. There is so much else happening on IGN for the rest of June, pretty much all the way through June. You can expect uh, live shows, pre and post shows, uh, reveals, deep dive interviews, all the big exciting coverage around all of the new and upcoming games that you are most looking forward to uh, on IGN in the coming week. So please stay tuned for all of that. That includes the Summer Game Fest pre and post show that we're going to be doing in Xbox and Bethesda pre and post show showcase that we'll also be doing as well. And then whatever else happens in June, because they just like to surprise us. There's a Capcom event next week now. They're just going to keep throwing events at us every day, and we're going to cover them as part of IGN Summer of Gaming. But with that all out of the way, uh, before all those events come, we do have an exciting and fun show to talk about this week. Uh, because of Summer of Gaming, the regular cast that you might expect is off doing many projects, but I am very, very excited to be joined by a few other PlayStation experts this week, uh, the two co-hosts of the PlayStation podcast, The Trophy Room. I'm so thrilled to be joined by Joseph Moran and Kyle Stevenson. Thank you both so much for being here. Beyond. Happy to be oh, here, Jonathan. I've been waiting Happy years to, to say this. Beyond, Jonathan. <laughs> uh, it's... <laughs> like it's great to have you both here. Joseph, you've been on the show before, Kyle. This is your first time. Very, yeah. very happy to have you. Uh, but yeah, thank happy you. Happy to be here. Thank you both so much for, for taking the time to chat PlayStation with us. Uh, if, you, if you don't know The Trophy Room, it's a wonderful podcast the two of them host. Uh, I don't want to give the whole spiel for the show uh, for you guys. So whoever would like to sort of give the rundown of what they can expect from The Trophy Room, please do. Kyle, you want me to take it away? Yeah, go ahead, Joe. 
All right, cool. So the Trophy Room is a PlayStation podcast where me and my best friend Kyle talk about the latest, the greatest in all things PlayStation each and every Thursday. Uh, And it's there where you could actually check out also our breakdowns of the Summer Games Fest as well. So again, we are so happy to be here. Me returning and Kyle's first time. This is yet again another, you know, another thing to check off the bucket list. So, so happy to be here. Exactly. Adding an infinity gem to my gauntlet. (laughs) <laughs> i've made it to podcast beyond it's awesome well i'm i'm really excited to have you both here i know there's been a few people who wrote into the show and were like hey we found the trophy room when when joseph was on and hopefully hey, a few other people nice. if you need more playstation in your life because why don't you uh yeah. definitely go check it out i was on uh, a few weeks back weeks months i don't know how time works and uh it it's was a joy enigma. yeah it is <laughs> and uh it was a joy to be with you both it's gonna get even weirder when they just keep dropping these events on us. But uh, yeah, it's a, it's a joy to be on and a joy to listen to. So I definitely recommend people go check it out if they haven't already. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. But uh, yeah, so we're going to jump into all of the PlayStation rumors, the speculation, the biggest stuff of the week. But the one big thing I want to start with is the thing that aired right before the show that I was like, we may have to put aside a lot of time for this. This may be, uh, you know, a big chunk of the show if it's a big reveal. That is, of course... The Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 reveal trailer happened. They had been amping this up. This was the June 8th reveal of the game. It was a two and a half minute trailer. It was it was just the reveal trailer. Yeah. I thought we were going to get a deep dive. I thought we were going to, you know, learn a ton more about it. I do have some facts from the press release, but I guess just to start off from it and then we'll jump into some other PlayStation stuff. Uh, Joseph, how did you feel about that reveal? Did it like spark anything for you? A lot of nostalgia, man, because for me, uh, this is a little memory card just at the beginning of the show. Modern Warfare 2 is the first M-rated game that I legally bought when I was back in high school. So that dates me so far back, (laughs) and it hurts (laughs) saying it out loud. And it's really cool that there's a lot of, I guess, Easter eggs or echoes of the original in this game as well. Um, And anybody who's beaten the first game knows that it's going to follow some similar beats that that trilogy went on maybe more reimagined and that's what you're really getting here in this trailer um you're getting some cool sneaky kills like an underwater one where i don't know how that person doesn't know you're swimming right next to him but uh (laughs) other than that like you're you're in a boat you know the cargo uh ship mission you know a lot of calls to nostalgic scenes of call of duty that i grew up loving and so i'm I'm really excited for the first time in a very long time for Call of Duty, no matter if it's a tw- two minute trailer or a 20 minute trailer, this, <laughs> this, this did do something for me. Well, and you know, we are in the midst of the summer of gaming Bonanza, so I'm sure we'll see a little bit more of it as, as we go forward. But yeah, I, obviously for those who may be on and off the Call of Duty scale, like I have been, uh, I was telling the two before the show, the last one I think I actually played to any sort of extent was the original Modern Warfare 2. So it's funny to be back here and be like, oh yes, another of the game I played, but different, of course. Uh, Just to run it down very quickly for those who are excited, because obviously Call of Duty continues to be one of the biggest things around. uh, It's coming out Friday, October 28th worldwide. Uh, It will have a campaign for any of those worrying, obviously, but uh, it will also have... uh, Special Ops, a tactical co-op mode that will advance team building skills and uh, near endless hours of gameplay available in the world-class multiplayer. Uh, This is all from the official press release. Uh, Just to mention, uh, shortly after the release of Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 will also be Warzone 2.0. That they didn't give an exact date for that in the press release, but they said with it comes new technology, new features, and new gameplay that work seamlessly together. 
Uh, throughout, the team has taken a wide range of community feedback to heart with both experiences. In order to fully deliver the state-of-the-art Warzone experience, Warzone 2.0 will feature new Modern Warfare 2 content and systems with brand new progression and inventories. Uh, today's Warzone will continue as a separate experience that will include a continuation of player progression and inventories within that Warzone experience. That was experience several times, I think. Um, <laughs> with that, I, I, Joseph, do you play Warzone much at all, or is it not something... I used to. I used to be big into it, but then jumped off just because the the size of this game is is outrageously too too large. Which maybe that is <laughs> the, the download size. Why. Yeah, the download yeah. size is it's too darn large, man. It's 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 too much. So for me, I had to just for the sake of my PlayStation Five storage, I had to just choose Fortnite or Call of Duty, and Fortnite won because it's like forty gigs. <laughs> Which is, it's amazing that that's a small game these days, but yeah, that's where yeah. we're at. Um, well, yeah, I don't think there was anything too deep to dive into. I know we were sort of anticipating maybe we'll have to dive in further. But uh, Kyle, you like me, I, we haven't been the biggest Call of Duty players yeah. as of late. Did that trailer do anything for you? Or are you kind of just like, well, I'll, I'll wait to see more, but it's not really like, I mean, on my radar. Anytime you put Metallica in a trailer, I'm kind of in. That's fair. Um, it does look great visually. It's just, maybe this will be the one that pulls me in. Spoiler alert, probably will, will not be. Uh, <laughs> but it, it, it does look very cool to see it like in today's graphical visual uh, standard that it is now. So, yeah, it's cool that it's out. It's cool that it's this year. Um, yeah, we'll yeah. see. We'll see if I, you find me on the online battlefield. Probably <laughs> not. Well, we uh, yeah, as you said, this year, October 28th, we are starting to get the fall. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. You've probably heard the name Mary, Queen of Scots, and maybe you know the importance of her legacy to the British monarchy, but how much do you know about her life and what she was really like? For instance, did you know that she preferred to have her eggs scrambled, or that giving gifts was her love language? In my podcast, Vulgar History, we'll be talking about all that and more during an eight-part miniseries about the fascinating life of Mary, Queen of Scots. Vulgar History is a feminist women's history comedy podcast where we don't shy away from the messy, complicated lives of women from the olden times. Particularly with women in history, it's easier to use broad strokes to portray who they were, and it's like we forget they probably also had messy lives, complicated relationships, and maybe things weren't as black and white as they might seem in a textbook. But... I'm dedicated to sharing the sides of the stories we don't always hear, and each episode is supported by rigorous historical research. Turns out there's really something about Mary Queen of Scots. So be sure to turn into my series about Mary Queen of Scots and check out the other incredible women I've talked about while you're there. You can listen and subscribe to Vulgar History wherever you get your podcasts and learn more at vulgarhistory.com. slate a little bit lined up we are we are mm -hmm. getting a sense of what the fall is going to actually look like because i know a lot of people have been worried about uh what are the games coming this year because everything got delayed but you know we're, we're starting to piece things together uh and, and that should be fun um but moving on from there there was sort of one larger playstation topic i want to jump into for this week 
uh, and it sort of coincides with Bend Studio, uh, for those who didn't see, revealed a new logo. And while that may not be the biggest revelation in the world for many people, it is a very cool logo. I recommend checking it out. It came alongside a PlayStation blog post that dove into sort of the legacy and the history of Bend as a studio and also teased a little bit about what they're doing for their next unannounced game. Uh, So this is a game that we've heard, I believe, Herman Herman Holst has talked about a little bit. I think we've seen like bits and pieces of it here and there. But essentially, uh, they've mentioned, and I'm finding the exact wording, that it'll be an unannounced, uh, that this new game is an unannounced IP. It's building off of the work they did from the open world, you know, systems that were built into Days Gone, but will be a new world. But it will also be one featuring multiplayer. Um, And this is perhaps not the only PlayStation game we've heard about being a multiplayer game. Um, You know, this is something I think we've been hearing more and more about excuse me i'm so excited Uh-oh. by it i can't speak. Jonathan's I just, I got it. <laughs> take over for me i'm going down i got it um anyway it is uh you know we've been hearing a lot both unannounced and announced about playstation projects and i do want to get into it but i think maybe just to start with bend working on a new game you know this is something that we've known for a little bit while or for a while is that they're not doing days gone 2 or anything like that that they are continuing on um kyle are you do you have much of a legacy with bend as a studio are you excited for them to see something new did you kind of hope for a days gone 2 to see them you know continue to invest in that world how, how yeah. do you feel about the trajectory yeah i love bend uh, i'm one of i think if you look on the uh, the Twitter sphere. I'm one of the few champions of Days Gone. I actually really, really dug the first game or or the game. Um, so I'm excited whatever Ben does next. Uh, the world that they built for Days Gone is really impressive. And if they're going to take that and put it into their new game, especially when it comes to like the hordes and stuff and what they do with whatever this world is, if that is a part of it, that's going to be pretty damn cool. Um, yeah, and like going back in the day, like Siphon Filter is great. Like Uncharted Golden Abyss is fantastic on the Vita. Um, it's a shame that we'll probably never be able to play that on, on a console again. It's probably stuck there forever. But uh, yeah, I'm excited for whatever this Ben thing is. At first, I thought it was maybe Ben gets like the Resistance IP. Because I can see like the Chimera as hordes, like in this open world or whatever. But when they keep saying new world, I, I'm... I've taken that back in my in my hype expectations, <laughs> and it's it seems like it's just gonna be something brand new, which I'm excited about. Yeah, they have certainly shown ingenuity to both live in other people's worlds and create. Their Absolutely. Own. So yeah, yeah I, I think there is a a possibility for yeah, it's still to be very exciting, even if it's not in a world that we know. Joseph, what about you? What are you you know just the sound of a, a Ben Studio game building off what they did? I'm really curious what engine they're using, because yeah. for me. I, you know, it kind of reads, oh, we're still sticking with Unreal, which they were, I believe, the only studio in, in Sony's camp to to go with the Unreal Engine. And one of the issues that they had with the motorcycle was, uh, from what I understand, is Unreal is great with four-wheeled uh, machines, but they actually had to go back to the drawing board when it was just a two-wheeled uh, mechanical uh, uh, vehicle. So to me, I'm... I'm thinking this could be their first Unreal 5 game. And that really excites me because from everything we've seen uh, from the outside, it looks really promising, looks really cool. Um, And I really want to see how they 
how they take the the horde tech because i'm i'm with kyle on this boat where i think days gone has so much promise and i feel like if they just honed in on one thing in particular that this game would have been something truly uh truly something special uh to the to the wider audience and so for me i'm really taking a look at that horde tech going oh wow this is like that is the thing that i want to see kyle you said it correct like chimera a horde of them yeah oh my god yes that looks horrifying (laughs) absolutely absolutely and they're so good at playing with with other people's ip so well that that works but something in my heart of hearts still wants them to go revisit siphon filter i want this to be like how you know almost death loop-esque where i'm trying to infiltrate this i don't know this mansion manor whatever facility and there is someone trying to stop me and I think that would excite me so much because you still get that that story element that we know and love from from PlayStation games, but then you have that spy versus spy. So that's that's what I'm really excited about. It's the opportunities that Ben has to really stake their name again, going, hey, we're a studio that just the likes of of Naughty Dog Santa Monica, we can make something truly special because we know that they can. And so I hope that this is the IP that lands him on the map yeah I, I i think there's a lot of potential here i think to, to both of what you were saying joseph i just wanted to the the motorcycle story it's one of the my favorite things my coworker john ryan told that story on beyond a few yeah. years ago when he when he went to go visit of like they yeah they essentially had to hide two of the wheels and like fold them in on <laughs> the motorcycle to make it work in ue4 uh, which is wild and it's awesome that they did it because the bike does control well like it's not yeah. a, a bad yeah bike. it does um, but the fact that they had to do that, you're totally right. I do hope they move to UE5 if that's what they're going to be doing. Uh, just based on everything we've heard of what Unreal Engine 5 can do, what we're seeing it with, uh, to your point, I think the only PlayStation Studios we know are Haven is using it um, mm. for their game. And then I want to say, uh, God, uh, Pixel Opus might be using right. it. Right, mm. yes. I think yeah. are the only other ones that have been announced, but their their games could be years off as well. So like we have no idea what's going to show first. Um, but yeah, I, I think there's so much potential. I think you both totally, uh, hit the nail on the head and like Kyle, to your point, I do think there's a lot to admire about the work they did in days gone. I think for, I, I never finished it and I kind of always wanted to go back. I think for me, it was just like the experience was very drawn out, but once you get to where really the, the freaker hordes are your main Mm -hmm. objective and, and you're really focusing on that in the open world and getting around and you feel a little more powered up, it's a really fun loop. Like they really did Mm -hmm. have something there. Um, so to both of your points, like that being in a multiplayer experience too, could be so fun and so cool. Absolutely. I want their next project to be their Ghost of Tsushima. You know, yeah. something where it's just like, oh, damn, this is this is something we absolutely can't miss. Yeah. It's uh, something that I really hope could have a lot of potential probably a few years out. But of course, as I was mentioning, this is also a multiplayer game potential. We don't know the full extent of it. Uh, it might just be a multiplayer mode. It could have just multiplayer elements. Could even just be stuff as much as like leaderboards and some social elements. Mm. Who knows? Uh, maybe you're just giving people thumbs up like in Death Stranding. But yeah, <laughs> I, I do love doing it. But uh, this is something that we are, you know, seeing a trend of with PlayStation a lot. And we do know they have 10 live service games planned for by 2026. And just to run down, I don't think I missed anything, but if anything sparks your brains, let me know. But so far of what we know that will either be multiplayer, live service, or socially focused, we have Ben's new project, Haven Studios' first game, Naughty Dog's multiplayer game, whatever Factions 2 has turned into, 
Uh, Insomniac has been hiring for a multiplayer game or experience. Uh, Guerrilla has had job listings that implied social systems. They've hired people, I believe, who were on Rainbow Six Siege. So obviously multiplayer experience is built in there. And they, of course, did, you know, Killzone and everything. Uh, London Studios' new game will have an online focus to it. There's rumors that the there's a Twisted Metal game out there, which you would assume would have multiplayer. Uh, Deviation Games, the other studio that PlayStation has a partnership, that studio is built on the DNA of COD Zombies, so presumably they have some ideas for, for multiplayer there as well. And of course, Bungie, Destiny, and then everything else that they probably make from here. Um, that's a lot. It- <laughs> and I think uh, Firewalk too, right? Yes, they have yeah. a deal with PlayStation? You're correct, yeah. yes, them as well. Um, so there, there is a lot of multiplayer in the works with PlayStation. And I think, you know, there's a couple of things that come up when we have these conversations of like, oh, does that mean we're losing the PlayStation we know? What does that mean for single-player games? And I do want to get to that. But I do also think it's worth noting of like, there is a long history of multiplayer to PlayStation. This isn't something that is brand new, but it's something they just kind of strayed away from. For, for a bit of time. Um, and there's an excitement, I think, for them to get back to that if they can put their acumen and, and uh, skill from these single-player games and also do that in a multiplayer space. There's a lot of potential there. But, um, Kyle, I want to start with you. Just on sort of a like general feeling of PlayStation diving into this amount of a multiplayer suite, uh, does it excite you? Does it worry you? Are, like, are you a typically multiplayer-focused player? Do you not think you'll jump into many of these things like how are you sitting with the possibility of all this yeah i'm i'm particularly a single player story focused uh gamer um so when this first came out with with uh, the 10 live service games whatever i honestly was a little bit worried because i i didn't want them to take uh resources away from what playstation does best and those the narrative driven last of us uncharted types of experiences uh i've since come back from that and be like oh this is okay they can both live in both worlds uh or, or yeah everything everything's rosy in playstation land uh, <laughs> so you took the chainsaw away from your playstation at that point Kyle, i 100 right? did <laughs> yeah. the blade yeah. was right about to hit onto it and then i, I closed the Epiphany. second story window i was like i'm not throwing it out the window <laughs> uh, uh for those who don't know what we're talking about your life is probably better off not knowing. way better way better absolutely but yeah i i think the live service things are exciting uh, especially if they can pair them with the single player stuff in the same same thing, like uh, Uncharted and what Naughty Dog does, really, with their single player things and their underrated multiplayer modes, which I do dabble in because they are a lot of fun. Like Factions 1, I lost so many hours of that last uh, two summers ago now when I was going for the Platinum. It was <laughs> stellar. I had a great time. Um, so, yeah, I'm excited to see what these all are. I wonder if there's going to be enough variety of each one or are they all going to be kind of like weaved in and thought about in the same boat? And is that going to kill the player base on one and go to the other? Like, are, is there going to be enough variety for a constant player base like day to day? Yeah, that's a that's, that's a big question. I have to Joseph. Go ahead. I was going. Yeah, that, that's the thing that I I think about, too, is like how many of these things are actually going to stick? Um, what What's going to be the thing, you know, that that keeps people playing factions. That's going to keep people playing whatever, maybe twisted metal knows. Um, But like whatever multiplayer game that they're making, what's going to have those people kind of stay there and not wander off somewhere else, especially in the land of your Fortnites and your call of duties, these juggernaut titles. It's like, okay, how, what would, you know, a, what if, you know, future guerrilla multiplayer game 
how does that stack up to what is already becoming a crowded space? Like we're seeing, you know, Halo Infinite, for example, a game that I've sunk well, easily <laughs> over hundreds of hours at this point on, um, kind of struggle at this at this point, kind of trying to pick up that player base again. Um, so that's what I'm kind of, you know, curious as to how PlayStation is going to handle that as well. Because, you know, for me, you can't just trap these games on on just one ecosystem in terms of multiplayer. It's all about population. And so to me, I I, I kind of think one of the many reasons as to why PlayStation might be going that PC route is maybe putting these games, at least their multiplayer variants, on there so that more people get to play them. Because my worry is I'm a multifaceted gamer. I'll play your single player, you know, Last of Us style games, and then I'll go right back to Fortnite, no problem. To me, that's where I, I feel like PlayStation's biggest dilemma is going to kind of be from is, is how do you make, and if any of these games are going to actually stick is a valid question, but I don't think like an overall concern. Like I, I think we're still going to get our Ghost of Tsushima's. I think we're still going to get our, you know, last of us and, and God of War, but it's, it's a valid question that people are thinking about that. It's PlayStation's job to kind of, you know, get us confident in that they can handle this. Yeah, it's a we're we're at a big point where we need to see what those experiences are going to be, and I I do have some signs of of hope, but yeah, I do think on that note it is worth saying, you know, in their recent earnings call, and I also do want to say if anyone, especially audio listeners, heard a bunch of loud noises from me, that's because they're demolishing a building across the street from me. So if that came through, I'm very oh, damn. No, I think uh, obviously we're kidding, but no, I I one I think you're you're totally right. The PC install base instantly opens up the floodgates for these and, and you're right population is a key goal of multiplayer because if you can't get that base to be there it withers i mean that's why we see successes on playstation plus like fall guys and uh, rocket league and stuff like that is because it instantly opened it up to tens of millions of people yeah. um and i do think playstation plus can be like a secret weapon here we can talk about that but yeah i think for me Absolutely. uh you know to your point uh Joseph about sort of like bouncing between the two. I, I very much do that as well right now. I play Fortnite daily, do my dailies, do whatever. Um, but I only do that with Fortnite right now. I was doing it with Halo Infinite a bit as well for, for the beginning of when it first debuted and I was doing it for a few other games. But it almost becomes like, okay, I, I do my hour of this game, my hour of this game, I do my other... It almost becomes like a job and there's only so many things you can play and still make sure you're enjoying. And so you have to like scale down. Um, and, and, so, and I think that's, a, I'm yeah. sorry to cut you off. And I think that's oh, one of the, the secret weapons of acquiring Bungie is like, if there's anybody that kind of knows how to, how to tap into the, do your homework vibes, it's, it's Bungie with destiny. Cause so many of my friends are like out doing the same daily. I did seven times in a row and I'm loving it. And yeah. so I, I feel like that's where that expertise comes in to play as well. I, and I do think it's something that, uh, at least for me, it's easy to get reductive really quickly and be like, oh, multiplayer experiences or live service. It's all going to be just sort of what we expect. But I think every game can be different. You know, I do think like Ghost of Tsushima Legends showed what a really cool multiplayer experience could be. That was a total surprise. Everyone loved it from a studio that doesn't do multiplayer. Like that's not a thing Sucker Punch really ever does. And they knocked it out of the park. It was an awesome iteration of that game. They kept supporting it with content. Uh, it was a really beloved version of what Ghost to Tsushima could be, but it also wasn't a thing where it was, this is the game you're going to play for the next six years. They found like this was the good shelf life for this game, whereas something I could see like 
Naughty Dog clearly going all in on whatever factions has become. That's probably going to be a more long-term play, I would assume. And and Kyle, you were saying you you you've enjoyed your time with the original factions. Yeah. So uh, yeah. yeah, back in 2020, I, yeah. I wanted to platinum it before part two came out. And part of that trophy list is is doing the factions mode on both sides. And I never played it before until the the remaster on PS4. And I just I loved it because as a single player gamer, mostly. Multiplayer was always the thing where I'm not good enough to feel like I'm having a fun time with all these people that play every day. Yeah. Factions is so different where you are doing your own thing and still helping the team. There are other ways to help out the team and help out every single match than having the highest kill count or whatever. Like it is the perfect blend and feels like it belongs in that last of us universe. And it, it was so much fun. So if all these games, multiplayer modes or multiplayer games, have a different twist on the multiplayer format and they're not all just like shooters. Uh, I'd be so down. Yeah. yeah I was, uh, I was talking with some friends over the weekend something I've wanted since uh, horizon forbidden West launched is basically just like monster hunter, but in horizon, like I just want to be mm-hmm. able to go out with three other friends, hunt machines together. Maybe we're competing for like who had the best shots or who, you know, yeah. took off the most pieces or whatever. Like there can be sub goals in there like that. But that could be a multiplayer game and that could be a multiplayer experience. And it doesn't have to be, I'm logging in every day to play 10 multiplayer matches against a hundred people on an Island. And I'm seeing what, yeah. I, you know, trying to get first place. They can be a, a variety of them. I think like something like whatever Haven is working on, they're really emphasizing social as the thing. They're not mm-hmm. saying as much like multiplayer, like they are saying it is a social experience and sort of creation. I do wonder if that means Things like we see with Dreams, where it is about creation there. It's like, you know, empowering yeah. the other players you're with. There are all, all these different ways I think multiplayer can go. But, yeah. you, you know, to your point, Joseph, I do think we're at a point where it's like, we we need to see what that is going to be. Absolutely. Absolutely. A big and question mark. It is it is a, a fear that some people have, like, like folks like Kyle who mainly play, you know, single player, of just like, I don't want things to change. I, I, I like the, the way things are, but... You know, as of how the industry has turned, I think having a publisher like PlayStation, um, and the reason why I'm a PlayStation fan is I feel like they get the core of what what the essence of that game should be so right that I have faith in whatever direction that they're they're pulling in because they've proved it to me time and time again. So, you know, for me, it, it, it's easy to have the fear of like, oh, they're just making a SOCOM game to compete with like a Call of Duty or something, and that's all they're gonna make. But you're right, like they can make something. I mean, we see it with like Call of the Mountain. Look at a VR game, right? Uh, that looks so so amazing, so beautiful. And why can't they then just turn it around and make a Monster Hunter world within this universe as well? You know, uh, for Ghost of Tsushima. Why can't I have a friend just drop in, you know, somewhere in the wilderness, just pop out and go, hey, I'm here. Let's go, you know, fight some mongrels. Like there are different ways that these devs are thinking about their approach to multiplayer, that it's not going to be what I think so many fear where like with like God of War Ascension, where it it feels just thrown in. I think with this attempt, it's going to be a lot more thoughtful. And I think to me, I'm coming in with the expectation of I do think most of these probably will be popular for a moment and fade in time, but there's going to be one or two that will kind of stand the test of time for the next five to to ten years. Now I'm just thinking of a possible horizon where 
the hunting grounds are like a leaderboard system and we're yeah. all like going against your friends with the highest score in the hunting grounds or like the fastest time in the proving in the original game or something like that that would be so cool and i i keep also thinking about like the experience death stranding gave me like yeah giving a thumbs up is a simple thing but putting resources in to collectively build roads in that game and build infrastructure to help everyone have an easier time is such a cool unique take on a multiplayer experience that i would love more of that yeah absolutely yeah, that, and those are online socially you know connected yeah. games but we're still getting big single player games within them or around them mm -hmm. and i you know i do think especially you know kyle i know you were mentioning as someone who primarily focuses on single player stuff i I go very much in phases where I'm like really into multiplayer for a little while, but then I typically stick to single player. And yeah, I think for me, it's like I, there is a way to find a balance between the two and, and Joseph, to your point, if they are things, these devs are passionate about and creating because they want to. And, and yeah. I think that at the end of the day is, is going to make the difference. And I do think we're seeing that at least like, obviously this is a goal that Sony has, and there's probably a, a you know, an impetus to push for that. But Naughty Dog didn't, you know, they could have just given up on the work they had been doing for The Last of Us Part Two for multiplayer. Mm -hmm. But they said, no, we're going to keep going. And it seems to have become so big that it's now been a years long project that they're really spending a lot of time and and hiring systems and economy people for. And that's not a small thing anymore. So clearly the studio cares or they probably could have just dropped. That. I feel like Naughty Dog could say, no, we're going to stick to what we're doing. Yeah. And, and I feel like Naughty Dog is that type of dev that has that type of say as well where they you know they're like hey you made uncharted and the last of us and <laughs> and kind of you may kind have of had that you may have heard of us uh so maybe we get to do a little bit of what we want and so like <laughs> so like i i i think there is so much weight to that statement jonathan of like they're obviously are passionate about this project that they're making and i think we have to kind of step away from the notion of just because a studio, we don't know a studio for X thing doesn't mean that it's gonna be a dud or you shouldn't, you should be just absolutely nervous. Like take a look at, you know, Jedi Fallen Order. Um, it is a third person, you know, Souls meets Uncharted-esque game made by the creators of Medal of Honor, the creators of Call of Duty, you know, Respawn, Apex Legends, Titanfall. And they made arguably the best Star Wars game. It totally out of their wheelhouse. So to me, again, I understand why people may be nervous, but you know, when those things, when they actually show off their products, I think we're going to be pleasantly surprised with the output that they're putting out there. I mean, there was a similar thing like in PlayStation Studios, Gorilla made Killzone. Yeah. And then they made Horizon, yeah. which is now the flagpole PlayStation mascot kind of game. So I love that PlayStation allows their studios to kind of be a little bit more creative and make what they truly want to make. And they're not pigeonholed into making a specific thing every single time, because then it just becomes like a factory, like just kind of a warehouse on a production line. Just, all right, let's ship it out. All right, here's the new one, whatever. We're, we're, we're updating a little bit here, a little bit there, but essentially it's the same thing. No, I want new things. Yeah. Uh, it, it's exciting. Yeah, these these studios keep getting to evolve, and if multiplayer is part of that evolution for them, I'm I'm excited to see what they do because they've shown for decades that they know what they're doing. Um, you know, to yeah. to that evolution point, Kyle, totally. It's we on this show talk about it often. I would love nothing more than a new Sly Cooper or an Infamous. Yeah. I think that would be great. Do I think Sucker Punch wants to do that right now? No, they want to mm -hmm. continue probably investing in the world they just made and spent five years developing, and that's okay. That doesn't mean that those franchises can't find homes elsewhere, you know, someday. Mm -hmm. 
but it's one of those things where it's like we've seen that we've seen naughty dog go from crash to jack to uncharted to the last of us like we see these evolutions these changes and there have been multiplayer throughout them you know whether they've gone away from them in years or tried them out and they they worked but weren't the focus and they went elsewhere um it's it's also sadly i think a reflection of just the reality of the business right now there is so much money to be made in multiplayer it is just mm-hmm. such a big part of the pie of people and the way they spend their money and if playstation sees that as an opportunity to take their world-class developers and and you know marry them with projects that can also elevate the business that way that makes financial sense to do um yeah. you know the video games are at the end of the day a business but yeah. it's it's one of those sad realities <laughs> you know yeah but Again, I, I, I like 100, you know, raccoons jump into an island to steal one treasure <laughs> to become the thievious raccoonist, you know, it's, it great. writes itself. We, I, you know, sucker punch. If you're, if you're listening, Andrew Goldfarb, if you're, if you're listening, call us and we'll, we'll make the game happen. For I you. mean, not to spoil a, a bit we did on last week's show, but Joe invented a game where Sackboy and Astrobot are two grizzled police uh, buddy cops <laughs> yep. trying to capture Sly Cooper. Because he's stealing everything. Exactly. I want that kind of game. <laughs> uh, now what I'm mad reason. that doesn't exist. Right? Exactly. It really anyway. is just lethal weapon with them. <laughs> <laughs> I would watch that, but it's just the very high-pitched voices or Sackboy saying nothing. Sackboy doesn't say a word. Yep. Um, but no, I think there's a lot of potential here. One I do want to ask you both about, I guess because it's a, a big potential question, Insomniac working on multiplayer. They have done some multiplayer before. Uh, you know, there were Ratchet and Clank games that had multiplayer. Uh, in VR, I think their magic game, which I'm blanking on the name of, had multiplayer as well. Um, so it's not a totally you know unheard of thing for them. But if they're working on a multiplayer game, do you want it to be a Marvel game? Yes, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, a hundred times yes. Uh, whatever that is, because um, I, I I know I think like a few weeks back there was like this this beautiful Marvel MMO that could have been, should have been, but never was. Yeah. Um, if I get to create my own version of like Iron Man meets Captain America, I'm down on. Um, if if they're making like a, you know, an Ultimate Alliance that could be played on PlayStation type of game, uh, I am 100% down for that. Um, yeah, I'm I I'm so. I think we all say it all the time. Every time we see, you know, Insomniac, we're just kind of like. Are you guys you guys are just the best <laughs> you, you just never fit like anything they do i'm just completely on board with but in my heart of hearts i would love them to go back to sunset overdrive and give us you know a remaster because i would like to play them that game it's it's so damn good and it feels like a lot of fodder for multiplayer pretty easily yeah. into that world yeah yeah same I, engine I'm as well from spider-man it, it makes sense it's, it would be perfect kyle what about you i would love a marvel game for sure but Unlike Joe's unhealthy obsession with Bloodborne, uh, <laughs> my unhealthy obsession is Resistance. I want that to come back. I mentioned that before with Bend. So if they're making a multiplayer game, I'm hoping it's with the Chimera and either a, a, a complete reboot, uh, a four or something. I, I just want to be back into that world and, and fighting the Chimera. I mean, and something keeps teasing us and putting pictures of the Chimera and tweeting them out every so often. Like, hey, you remember this cool gun? like hey it's pretty cool right i don't know i just they they lift me up to hopefully not pull me down hopefully that keeps rising until we get a a new resistance game jonathan sometimes they get 
I get I get messages from Kyle and it just tweets <laughs> from Insomniac and he's like, what does this mean? Exactly. <laughs> Why resistant. are they doing this to me? <laughs> I never well, want to kill us all. I, I appreciate that. I respect that, even though I do yeah. think they're just doing it to torture Kyle at this point. 100%. Um, I, you know, I will say Resistance 3 is going to be playable on the new PlayStation Plus. So yeah. get everyone you know, everyone out there, go play Resistance 3 to show PlayStation that people still care, and maybe they will. It did have yeah. the best box art, but it also was Absolutely really fun Absolutely it did. Yeah, um, it was great. But yeah, I it's one of those things too where I'm like, I totally get why Insomniac has maybe moved on at this point if that's not their interest, especially mm -hmm. now they're balancing two Marvel licenses. Presumably there are ideas for a Rift Apart sequel somewhere brewing uh -huh. there to add another major franchise. I can see maybe not, but it is something that like, I don't know, probably any, like any of the partners that they trust, if someone had a good idea for Resistance, I would give them the time of day to like listen to it. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, there's an, there's enough... I think understanding of what that franchise is out there, but also enough wiggle room to kind of make it your own if it's a different dev. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, maybe one day. So just for now, everyone go play Resistance 3 when it comes to PlayStation yes, please. Plus next please. week. Do it also, for me. It's also please. just a really good game. If you haven't played Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Um, and you are in a country where you can stream PS3 games, of course, since that's not for everyone, go play mm -hmm. Resistance 3. But um, yeah, just on the whole, you know, when it comes to this multiplayer endeavor, I, I do think... There is reason to have hope. I totally get every, everyone's skepticism of like, what does this mean for the future of what PlayStation is? And, and Joseph, to your point, I do think not everything is going to be a mainstay success of what PlayStation is going forward. There are going to be experiments. Some are going to fail. I do think one thing that they have a leg up on that I think we've all talked about, though, is the infrastructure that they're getting from Bungie. They've kind of talked about a little bit in some of their earnings calls and things like, yeah, Bungie coming in, we basically learn everything about how to maintain a live service game. And I think that is going to give them such a leg up of, man, just getting the like, the foundation of how to have those systems running is probably such a, uh, you know, cost sinking thing for most studios to have those learnings from Bungie already. Probably going to save them, you know, months if not years yeah. of, of time and work. That's a perfect partner too, because like Bungie has gone through the lows. They've learned from their mistakes already, and and. Yeah. Why not just learn from them while they've made those mistakes and, and start from where they are now, which is fantastic and keep going. Yeah. And I love, I would love how that like talk would go on through like, Sony's like, so we're thinking about like putting like, uh, I don't know, like mystery boxes in the game. And Bungie's like, <laughs> no, <laughs> you don't want to know. You don't want to go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah. uh, we're going to maybe drop new content in once every like six months. How does that sound mm. to you guys? Mm. Like, yeah, go ahead. Sure, that sounds great. You guys have fun. Um, no, yeah, you're totally right, Kyle. I think, like, the ups and downs that Bungie has been through and to be on such an upswing. You know, I think every new season of Destiny, we get a little bit of people love some of it, people don't love some of it. I'm still waiting to figure out how I jump into Destiny at this point because from everything I've been told, even by people who love the game, is just don't if you haven't been <laughs> um, because it's so it's so much to jump into. So I do hope there's a jumping on point. I do know some people are like, just go play. You'll you'll eventually get the hang of it. But um, you know, I do think it's something that they've learned a lot and they are working on also things like onboarding. Like De Bungie has said publicly they know that's an issue for some people, so they're working on that. And so I think, yeah, that that being into the pipeline of Sony and PlayStation, even if they're continuing to make multiplayer or multi uh excuse me multi-platform stuff is just going to help the stuff that does get dedicated for playstation i do think playstation plus will be a good way to leverage that i really do hope these multiplayer projects if they're related to single player stuff 
art like and now pay another seventy dollars for this thing i do think like mm. that's where it's going to mm. really fall apart is the monetization I, structure <laughs> i that's my only worry and that's where i think playstation will have a little bit of column a and a little column b like my hope is you know we saw it with ghost uh where they're just like hey here's the standalone for twenty dollars um but then also have it where it's like yeah this this is in the full game or buy it for 20 or if you're a premium member look at this and you yeah. get it here for you uh for just because you're a premium member or giving you more incentives uh what i think playstation's so good at when it comes to their third-party deals is like those skins you can only get in fortnite or the the skins you can only get in in apex if you are a psn member um that's where i think or an essential member now uh that's where i think these games have a tremendous opportunity to get more people in when I was on uh, your guys' show, when I was on the trophy room, we decided it's it's the bronze, silver, and, and platinum. Yes. There's no yes. extra essential. Get all these nonsense. Deluxe. They missed uh, the objective. Hardcore. <laughs> it was right there. It's it was just, right there. Yeah, man. Anyway. Um, but no, I totally think you're right. I do think there are ways, if they can incentivize the PlayStation base who is subscribing to all that, who's already spending all that money, if they do standalone multiplayer stuff, I think it's got to be in at least the premium tier, if not also the extra, the silver tier. Uh, I think they've got to put that stuff in there. I think it needs to be or free skins or, you know, free spend on money to get cosmetics. Uh, you know, obviously the cosmetics versus pay to win is going to be a thing. I hope they know. I hope they know at this point not to do pay to win. I hope. I hope. But, I hope so. Diablo Immortal, come on. Yeah. Well, it it's going to be really interesting. I think it's going to you know change the way we talk about playstation games a lot in the next even just two to three but the next five to ten years because we are going to be talking about things probably on a more consistent basis it's not going to be okay what are the two to three playstation first party games coming out it's like what are the weekly the monthly updates for factions 2 or for insomniac's game or for whatever these teams are working on it's going to really change the pipeline of this stuff which will be interesting but yeah. uh yeah we're hopefully close to finding out what one of those things is like Naughty Dog's game has got to be showable at some point soon, right? Yeah, and I think so. and I think that will be the true litmus test. Like, if there's a multiplayer, maybe we'll also see that PC release. Maybe we'll see that, you know, tiered version in there somewhere. Totally. Um, well, hopefully we get some news on that soon. The Summer of Gaming would be a great place for it, and I really hope it shows up. Uh, of course, we're recording right before the Summer Game Fest show, so any PlayStation announcements we'll be covering next week on Beyond. Uh, when do you guys normally record? Will you be re recording anything after that show? People can. So we will be, actually. Uh, awesome. Right afterwards, we'll be uh, recording our breakdown of the show that you can find on the Trophy Room podcast, so on all podcast feeds, might I add. <laughs> well, uh, hopefully there's some PlayStation news to discuss there, but if not... We'll wait for the next State of Player Showcase. Um, speaking of all these summer events, though, and, and everything like that, it is worth mentioning uh, the ESA announced in, in this past week as Summer of Gaming, Summer Games Fest, all of the Summer Games things are kicking off, that E3 is returning in 2023. Uh, they have said that there will be a digital as well as in-person sort of hybrid plan in place right now. Obviously, who knows what the world looks like in a year from now. Anything could change. We have no idea what it's going to be like. Um, but they plan to do that. We don't know any sort of partnership deals. We don't know what devs or publishers would or will be involved. Uh, it's, it's very much a mystery at this point of what E3 would look like next year. Um, and obviously, we've seen the rise of 
competitors essentially to it to a certain degree and also to companies realizing they don't need to go to a show floor to announce their big games um so you know we're in an interesting place and and i do want to talk about playstation of it all but just like for your for your general feelings joseph i'll start with you on this one yeah how are you feeling about the potential return for an e3 you know, uh, uh, famous words of mine. We'll see, bud. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I think Jeff has a Jeff has a great opportunity to show not just like consumers, but the people that are planning said events why you maybe need to or should or should rather uh, go to the Summer Games Fest. I think this is the first year where Jeff has a clear opportunity to show publishers why it's cheaper more cost effective and you're going to get way more eyes doing it this way than the old way. Um, and you know, all the stories we've heard about the ESA, um, you know, I don't know if I have the most confidence in the world that they could, can come back. Um, but there is something when I hear so many people go, I just, these, these things are nice. These little, like, you know, 20 minute videos or showcases, they're great and all, but there's something missing about an audience, right? Not having the audience there, you know, there's that type of that, that fever pitch, that excitement when everybody's in a room, it's the reason why like Apple back in like the early two thousands would pack a room filled with Apple developers. Cause they're going to cheer and get people excited and, and, and all that. And there's, there's a bit of marketing behind it, but there's a bit of that nostalgia factor as well of like just being with your friends that you've met online, whether it's playing whatever game, whether it's recording whatever podcast and, and actually meeting them and meeting your heroes. That could be like the developers, like my good friend of me, uh, Luke Lore, he loves Crackdown 3 and he actually got to meet the devs and actually say how much he appreciates them for all their work, you know, tackling this game. And that's a big dopamine hit for fans, but it's also a big dopamine hit for the people that are making this stuff. So I think there's an opportunity for Jeff to, to again, show publishers why it's more cost effective. But I think next year is going to be really telling of what lessons the ESA has actually learned if they're able to, but also what are some things that Jeff is in, in his crew over at summer game fest, not to just put it on one person. Um, that they're able to do, maybe put their own events um, in person, in-house there. So to me, it, it's it's really questionable for many reasons, but I can understand why maybe the ESA can come back. Yeah, it's it's definitely a big open question. And Kyle, how are you feeling about it? Yeah, I mean, E3 is always going to have a special place in my heart of, of a very exciting time uh, of the summer. And just as a gaming fan, uh, you know, taking off work or running home from school and, and the whole weekend set watching the showcases and, and just then watching all the live reacts and whatnot. It's exciting. It's fun. We are getting that a little bit now, though, with Summer Game Fest. So that part is, I think, being taken care of. The The thing that is missing. And I think this year we're going to get a little bit of a different take on it because I believe some people are lucky enough to go down to play some of the stuff that are part of the Summer Game Fest. Is the part of the E3 where I hear people talking about playing the actual games there and, and, and tuning into IGN and hearing their coverage of what they played already. So, like, that kind of stuff is exciting, just as exciting than watching the new trailers or whatnot. So, 
if they can nail that magic again and enough of the publishers and developers do decide to go back to that um i'm i'm all for it coming back but i just don't know if they ever will (laughs) it's like it's like too perfect now almost with with all the at-home video showcases they're perfect well like both of you have been saying it's that thing of you know i think it's twofold of it's so much more cost effective to even if you know i think there have been reports all the time of like how much it costs to rent out space for the e3 show floor but even if those prices are significantly down if this if the companies can just focus on their own show and get their own spotlight a lot of them i think have realized well why would i want to share the space when i don't have to you know there are Mm -hmm. i think reasons to have it all together and i i think one of the the biggest things you're both talking about is the excitement of it all. You know, we've had a lot of chats about E3 on the show, especially as Sony has left it over the years and whatnot. And like, there's such a, I have such a mixed feeling about it because for so long before I started working in the industry, it was, man, I can't wait to go to E3. That is the goal is to go to an E3 mm-hmm. and to attend. It has been wonderful, but the last couple of years, you could start to see this slow sort of like ebbing away of what we knew is E3 and this confusion of what E3 wanted to be. And so I think like, it needs to figure that out whenever whatever form it comes back in but yeah like in terms of partnerships and studios wanting to do stuff th- you know they all are putting on these shows I, w- I will say the thing that i do miss more than anything is knowing when it was all going to happen there was something yeah. nice to e3 being a week of work mm-hmm. together uh both on our side of covering everything but also of knowing i'm going to get all of the announcements here where it is like right now we have no idea when anything happens. It's yeah. all just whenever they feel like it. And I, you know, to a certain extent, I do think it's good because everyone was arbitrarily hitting this June date where they needed to have a demo or trailers that maybe they weren't ready to show things, but things had to happen. And so t- teams can have the pace that they need right now. And I do think that's better. But it was also nice in terms of a, like, a celebration of games, a knowing when we'll be able to cover those things, of, of like, having this... uh north star of of the year to be like that's when it's all gonna happen was really exciting whereas now it's like i wake up every day oh there's a new announcement for a thing is it is it a thing that needs to be a thing Mm -hmm. i think you know are you telling me you're not a fan of the week before hey there's a state of play in three days or (laughs) or like You have 24 hours. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it, it's that thing. It's like, it's exciting, but it's also oh, absolutely. really hard to then plan work. <laughs> yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and there's also like, a, like, you know, let's not even just talk about the Jeff element in the room in terms of ESA, but other companies going out and doing their own thing. Like we keep on seeing PlayStation, like trademark PlayStation experience, PSX. And I'm like, okay, when is that happening? <laughs> you know, yeah, if is that happening, bring it back. Like I think you know things like Summer Games Fest for Xbox. I, I know you know some of my Xbox buddies are so excited to meet up with each other, whether it be in Toronto or whether it be in LA. It, it to me, it's like why not just have your own event? You're not dictated what time slot you're there or not, mm-hmm. and you have the freedom to put on the show that you truly want to do with no hindrance. That's really the biggest op- obstacle for the ESA. It just feels like from the outside looking in, there is too much bureaucracy going on there. It's, yeah, it's a big question, I think, because I, you know, we see these companies do it on their own, and then they're like, yeah, I'm going to stick with that. I do think, I've said on the show before, I think 
Nintendo deciding, yeah, we're going to do digital showcases. We're not going to, you know, it's still going to be the week of E3, but we're going to move to doing a digital thing and we're not going to be there, I think was the first step in this complete change that we've just seen ramp up and and be uh, accelerated by the pandemic and everything where all these companies are just doing their own thing. But like Joseph, to your point, yeah, PlayStation has PSX. We know they can do an in-person thing if they want to. I really want them to because I never got to go and I only hear awesome things about it. Oh, Jonathan, it's amazing. I've heard such good stuff. was at the last one. It was so good. I moved to, I think, SF right after the last one or the year the last Mm. one was happening but wasn't able to go that year and it just, and then I was like, I'll go to the next one and then it didn't happen. Um, But I, yeah, I, you know, I think with PlayStation in particular, at least from my perspective, I think even if E3 does return, I don't think PlayStation comes back. I don't, I don't think they, yeah. you know, they they dropped out before E3 dropped out of being E3. Mm-hmm. Like they they dropped out the year before. <laughs> they did it before of, it was cool. Exactly. <laughs> as as Altano uh, joked, I think last week on the show or the, the week before of like they had one bad E3 showcase. They had like banger after banger after banger of great years. Let's, let's cool down with that word, but I, I, I appreciate I appreciate it. So I much wanted to me. work it in, um, <laughs> and th- but they had like an incredible run for several years and then they had one weird show that everyone was like that was really weird why did they do it that way and then they were just like we're never doing it again we're leaving now (laughs) goodbye and that like it was such a weird about face but i do think it was like they did that and now they've been doing state of plays and showcases and to your point like this psx exists out there in the ether and could return someday but even if it doesn't like they've shown this pattern we now know other than in the console year like They'll do state of plays. They seem to do a showcase in September. Um, we'll get single game state of plays before big releases from first parties. That's just kind of their cadence now. And and I think there's room for improvement, but that just seems to be what they're going to be doing go, going forward. But Kyle, do you, do you feel any differently? Do you think there's a chance they go back? Do you think they're just going to keep going forward this way? I so hope they go back to PlayStation experience. Uh, E3... <laughs> whatever uh but i i don't think they need to though i, I think it's the, the point you're making is everyone when a state of play is announced everyone makes sure that they're free right that night is booked or whenever the time is that it's on you know that they're going to come to watch it because they're going to see some cool new playstation news so like they have that cornered uh the excitement down and i don't think they do need to go back i don't think e3 is I don't think PlayStation needs E3. E3 needs PlayStation. And I don't think they're ever going to go back. That's fair. Joseph, what about you? Yeah. No, no, no. I, I think <laughs> I think that bridge was burned long ago. And yeah, I, and honestly, I, I feel the same for everyone. Like, I'm like, none of y'all really need E3. I, th- I think it kind mm-hmm. of, you know, having that one week is great and all, but there's so much you miss because it's just one week, you know? Um, yeah. there's so much that, that, you know, I, I'm so happy that we're not having the discu- the conversations anymore of like, who wins E3? It's like, and then like the, the cheesy, like everybody wins. It's like, <laughs> it's <laughs> cause they're all gamers. And so like, you know, for me, I, I, I like that we're not having those conversations, which is great. And there's things that we're not missing, but there is a thing that we do miss with those heartfelt moments. Like. One of the best moments of all E3 was at a Ubisoft showcase where you saw the, you know, one of the developers straight up weep because he saw his game, you know, mm-hmm. you know Mario was it? Uh, Mario Kingdom. Mario and Rabbids. Mario and Rabbids, yeah. yeah. Uh, shown off and like Miyamoto giving the, the thumbs up and you miss those human moments that I think 
that's why those conferences leave such an impact on everybody. And yeah. sure, you may get like, you know, Nathan Drake is is stuck in a wall, but <laughs> that's a trade-off I'm I'm willing to have for that human moment where we get to humanize the developers that we we revere their products so much. And I mean I, Kojima I, walking down the lighted walkway yeah and then his first words are i'm back oh yeah. my god iconic <laughs> and, and then when i think that year was also the year they announced like the crash bandicoot uh insane was, trilogy for yeah, people like spider-man and everything unveiled it, the, you're totally right there is a human element and i think there are ways to weave that in I, th I think that is one of the biggest problems the state of plays have right now is the lack of humanity where it's like yeah, at least nintendo directs like you get the nintendo exec standing there for two minutes total of, of screen time, but they're there in between to let you know about things or you'll see a dev for 30 seconds be like, we're very excited to hear more or they'll, you know, throw to uh, Alnuma to be like, uh, Breath of the Wild 2 is going to be another year yeah. away. Sorry. Like, the, the, they'll at least They'll put the them. Splatoon guy in the in the lab coat. <laughs> exactly. With the dualies. I'm like, this guy, he gets like, it. They'll do that for a bit. You know, Xbox is still primarily doing live show sort of showcases. They moved away from inside Xbox, which was sort of their attempt at directs, but I don't think ever quite succeeded because they were usually like hour and a half long live shows that didn't need to be hour and a half. And, and mm -hmm. But then the state of play, I think, learned and, and pivoted too much in the opposite direction from inside yeah. Xbox. And it was like, it's so clinical. And it's so, here is a, a voice that you don't know who it belongs to and they're talking. And maybe like once in a showcase, someone will show up. Um, like, mm -hmm. you know, in the, in the last state of play, like Ben McCaw from, from Gorilla, who's, who's been on beyond is a, a wonderful person to talk to showed up for 30 seconds to talk about beyond. I was like, or to talk about her. I was like, that's great. A person. Yes. Yeah. Show me more of them. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. you know, I think adding that back in, even if it is just, yeah, you know, I don't know his schedule. He's probably pretty, pretty busy, but I think like having Herman come out at the beginning of a state of play and be like, we're so excited to show you what we have going on. Here's a look at our third parties. And then, you know, 20 minutes later, and here's a really cool first party. Like, just have him on there for 30 seconds at a time to, you know, five minutes out of his day, I think yeah. goes a long way for people. I don't know, mm -hmm. you know, to that human it, connection. And that's like the best part of those state of plays is like when they're dedicated to a game. Again, it's seeing the developer out there talk about it in 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 not a clinical way, more personable. Of course, it's going to be PR and, and, and marketed specifically to get the the tone of messaging across but it's them and you're right like with herman it's like the man's a dreamboat but he can also <laughs> sell me a thing just so easily like he, he he he's so cool calm and collective i think the one thing that we miss as playstation fans is you know brings you out there everybody loves him He's just his smile lights up a room like yeah. have that person talk to us and and sell us on that playstation ecosystem is really what i want to see from yeah yeah you're totally right i miss the days of adam boys coming out and, and unveiling final fantasy 7 remake or geo corsi championing the vita on stage like those moments are sorely missing and you're right it's just a disembodied voice like and up next a look at this exciting new shooter coming for our this studio <laughs> whatever it is like it, it it just becomes like background noise no totally and and it's one of those things where like we do have a template for it like you know joseph to your point with shuhei he was at summer game fest last year like he called in for a video thing conferenced in and th that still works though like he he you know to show off i think it was salt and sacrifice and, and maybe one other yep. game but uh he was there to do that and that was great like 
I'd love if before, you know, there was that great run of indies in the last state of play where it was like Stray and Rollerdrome and, yeah. and Season and all that. It would be so great if they just inserted 30 seconds of shoe being like, hey, we have so much awesome stuff coming. Here's a look at the next couple months of indies on PlayStation. And then you go from there. And and yeah, like to your point, Herman showing up for a few minutes, I, I think you both nailed it. Like PlayStation fans do like to associate someone on stage with PlayStation, right or wrong, mm-hmm. having that human element there so connects you. And and not everyone is cut out for that. Not every gaming executive is designed to be that as a human being, and that's okay. But I do feel like they need they need a little bit more of that right now to really mm-hmm. bridge the gap. Absolutely. That being said, though, last state of play. Fantastic. So very, good. very good. I'm still riding that high of just like, Same. man, that was just 30 minutes of nonstop goodness. Ryan yelling into the mic about Resident <laughs> Evil filled my soul with joy. <laughs> it was so... One of the funniest... The only thought that I've had lingering since then, I was like, do we talk about the state of play more on this episode or are we just rehashing? I think for me, the one thing is just like, man, it's going to be hard for the next state of plays to live up to that, though. Yeah. Yeah, um, it was, absolutely. There's just so much. It, like for me, th- go for it. Oh, I was just going to say, I think the only thing that could, if I was on PlayStation side, is I wouldn't follow up that a state of play with another state of play. I'd follow it up with the showcase. Yeah. Go first party. Because I think you're right. I don't think another state of play is going to do better than this past one in terms of just how exciting it is. Or like so a different one. Party. It may be yeah. a deep dive into a game that oh. we're all really excited about. Maybe maybe a cataclysmic event that is supposedly coming. Um. An adventure about a father and a son. Hmm. Bonding over the apocalypse. I have no idea what you guys are talking. Nothing comes to mind. I I don't know what that could be. Um, Calm or reasonable people. (laughs) (laughs) But no, I like, yeah, to me, I think totally the next way to go is a God of War state of play. The Mm -hmm. PlayStation showcase. Like, I think kind of you're both right. I think it needs to be those two next. And then maybe one other state of play like later on. But I think. I, I think it needs to be messaging it so clearly from here on out. Like yeah. there needs, I I'm okay. If there are smaller state of plays, like I do think the one before this, that was like, we're going to mostly be focused on our Japanese, uh, you know, partners. That's a very good specific way to do it. I think, you know, do a state of play that is just going to be Indies, do a state of play. That's just going to be PSVR two, but don't leave the wiggle room for people. I think that's the yes. problem is that if there's yes. any wiggle room, everyone will hold on to that. Uh-huh. absolutely um, and and that's when you get to kind of surprise people as well maybe yeah. a, a little lie here or there because like we saw returnal and my god it's so good it's so beautiful you <laughs> know like a japanese you, partner yeah <laughs> not at all but like you're like oh you're here you know you get spider-man on pc that's fantastic get to play it on my steam deck like they they still get to surprise you while setting the expectations which i feel like they have been doing pretty well for the last state of play or two it's so definitely been they keep that yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I i think they need to continue to do that i think especially as the playstation focus diversifies you know as we're going to get into a very vr focused era a multiplayer focused era uh they're moving into pc and mobile more i think they've got to like start to draw those lines even more of like hey once a year we're going to have a vr focused state of play once a year we're going to do a pc and mobile focused or and like they can sprinkle stuff in as surprises mm-hmm. like you're saying but i think they need to get those expectations there so that people don't say but could god of war show up here maybe you know yeah i think i i would love for them to have their own branded like state of indies show yeah similar to like an indie direct because i i 
I mean, we talk about it a lot on the trophy room uh, and my other podcast, the IndieCast, um, where like PlayStation and Indies aren't really gelling all that well. Like on on the outside uh, or for on the surface, uh, they do showcase indies. Like in the last day to play, there there was that huge block of four or five. But every time you you hear from an indie dev, or I was at PAX and, and asking about like, oh, what about PlayStation? And the the word is always that they're notoriously hard to get in touch with and to work with, and they need to change that view and like yeah do a 30 minute 20 minute thing of just all these really cool indie games with shuhei heading that state of play i think yeah. that would be fantastic yeah and, and also if i could just add one, one last thing too is like it has been 2633 <laughs> days since of recording that bloodborne's been out put respect on it you know <laughs> just i'll take a pc release i'll take a remake i'll take a remaster i'll take i'll take anything and i'll pay full price double price <laughs> I am going to say banger so much for the rest of the show. <laughs> you know what? I will allow it. I will start saying it if Bloodborne, is, I, I, I see it some somehow, some way. I'll hold you to that. But no, I, I totally think... One rule. <laughs> I totally think you're both right. And, and Kyle, like, Nintendo has shown they can do it with the Nindies, and people will yeah. tune in for those still. I think PlayStation can do that better than they have been. I do think like, you know, hey, we're showing five new indies on the PlayStation blog doesn't quite have the same pull as we're doing a live show for 20 Absolutely. minutes here at all mm -hmm. is. Even if it's short, even if it is just five games and here's a 12 minute show, at least it's something that I think mm -hmm. builds hype around it. And those are like like you said, even this recent spate that we're looking at, those are all really cool looking very different games like Stray, yeah. Rollerdrome, uh God, season, season and Tunic all back to back is a phenomenal indie lineup. Like, oh my God, yeah. what a great four months. That should be a like shout from the rooftops of how cool yeah. indies are on PlayStation right now. But, and yeah. if they're going to follow the, the stray thing and it coming to like the, the extra and premium tier yeah. of PS plus, that's excellent. Every month you get a cool indie. I'd be so down for that. It'd be very cool. But um, yeah, at least for the future, we, we don't quite know what PlayStation will be doing it is always a mystery that we'll wake up two days before to find out but uh probably safe bet that they won't be at the next e3 if e3 does happen but at the very least here's hoping for a showcase in three months is it i guess here's hoping um anyway other than that just briefly wanted to mention for people wondering obviously it's a continued thing that we're keeping an eye on uh you know playstation stock and availability continues to be a big question we've heard promises that this will be a thing we could potentially see more of in the next year that they're going to ramp up production. Uh, stock has been apparently bouncing back recently. Gamesindustry.biz had a great report recently sort of about uh, PlayStation jumping up the charts. Uh, you know, it's currently third place in the UK in terms of sales for the year, but that uh, May was its best month yet. It's continuing to have more availability. Uh, I think just recently on the sales charts they were reporting in this last week, Horizon Forbidden West was back at the top. Uh, because the people can buy it and play it on PS5. So there is hope that you'll be able to get a PS5 in the months to come. And we just want people to because we want to talk about PS5, the games more. So That's hopefully right. that continues to happen. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and then just also on that, we forgot to mention last week because we were in the middle of a live show uh, of Insanity. But uh, the new PlayStation Plus games are available for the month at the what will become the essential tier in a week for North America. And that is God of War. Naruto, Taboruto, Shinobi Striker, and Nickelodeon All-Stars Brawl, which just got voice acting in it as well. Hey! Um, 
that's the lineup for the base PlayStation Plus games. As a reminder, of course, the new PS Plus, whatever tier you're subscribing to, changes over next Monday, June 13th. Uh, so that is going to bring with it hopefully this full 700 plus game library we still don't know what that full library is uh, as it's rolled out to new territories more games have been added sort of territory by territory but it's still a mystery of what the full lineup will be um we don't know i'm excited i'm hopeful more old stuff gets trophies i think that's rad um, Same. Mm-hmm. i hope more resistance games get added so you can play the full yeah game. Um, <laughs> but no i we're i we're all really excited i assume you guys are are you know interested to check out what the full lineup's going to be and, and we'll probably be talking about it next week as well oh, yeah but it's it's a big moment and i hope it's cool and good and just the start and like if if ratchet and clink up your arsenal gets trophy support then that's Ooh. a perfect game there you, you know? go oh man oh. those old if those old ratchets get tro i mean some of them do have it because of the ps3 Mm-hmm. trilogy so if they just make those playable that way yep but like the base ps2 version so i don't have to stream them that would be ideal yeah that's exactly what yes. i'm thinking yeah <laughs> the ps3 streaming stuff is like out of sight out of mind like i've been actually tempted to go purchase a ps3 and just get like the metal gear collection but like yeah. for me it's just like i'm looking at the ps2 i'm like all right ratchet and clank that's <laughs> time to revisit you old friend you know? yeah yeah <laughs> man i hope so uh, but yeah, we'll we'll know more about that next week and and be talking about it when we have all the information and actually can play those games. Uh, and speaking about Bend, I am very excited to finally play Siphon Filter for the first time with Chris. <gasps> yes. What? Yeah. I never oh, played. Jonathan. Yeah. Oh, Jonathan. I can't time. wait. I can't wait. I can't wait to get past the second level because when I was a <laughs> kid, all we had at my grandma's house was a demo disc of Siphon Filter. So we always mm. got to like the first at the end of level two, and they're like. My grandma's like, I'm not, how much are games? 60 bucks? You know this is the 90s, right? Yeah. (laughs) That's very much like me. Yeah, it's very much like me where I would have to rent the console from Blockbuster. Oh, yeah. For like two days, but it didn't come with a memory card. So I I very clearly remember playing the opening of Crash Bandicoot millions of times. Oh, man. Those two days. (laughs) Yeah. No longer. Well, now you'll be able to do that via ps plus game trials yeah and you can play the first couple hours of games um but yeah excited to talk about all that next week we're running a little short on time so i do want to jump in to make sure i give you you both time uh for for some memory card stories because you're both on the show um and joseph you sort of gave a a little bit of one at the start so i'm going to start with kyle but of course for those out there uh memory card is our weekly segment where you and the the cast as well sometimes uh give their stories of their playstation gaming life they can be happy sad weird wacky whatever that you want them to be uh i love reading these so many of you have written in with great ones we're going to continue to read them each week on the show but if you'd like to write in with yours and you haven't already please write in to beyond at ign.com and if you're someone who's maybe tuned in recently but tuned out for a bit uh newsflash uh, as i mentioned a few weeks ago the email wasn't working for me for a while. So if you sent it, you know, in the year uh, of our shoe 2021, I didn't get it. So please send it again. Um, Anyway, Kyle, is there, is there any PlayStation memory story, anything you want to share with us? Yeah. So uh, I very distinctly remember I was, I think it was final fantasy eight. I was playing, which is one of my favorites. I'll take whatever's, flack any uh, you want to <laughs> throw at me uh and i was playing in what we call in our house the toy room which was basically just like hanging out and watch tv play games or whatever and i was playing a game and i think my mom was yelling at me like oh kyle you go do the dishwasher please like it's done 
pause the game and go. And I was clearly just in the mode. I was like, yeah, sure, whatever. And I just kept playing. Uh, little did I know, because it never happened before, after about maybe 20, 25 minutes of continuing to play and ignoring my mom's wishes, she came in and turned the light switch off. I was like, oh, that's weird. But then I totally forgot that it was the light switch controls the power cord to the TV and the PlayStation. Oh. And again, that was back in the days with a memory card. I didn't save. I lost hours of progress. Oh my <laughs> and gosh. I was I learned my lesson. You get up the first time <laughs> and do whatever chore. Uh yeah, so that that's very that's a very clear thing in my mind. And yeah. now whenever I you know, I, I worked with kids for a very long time and I would tell them that, that story like that would that the, what? That's a memory card? You have to it's not inside the system already? Yeah. yeah no, that was an extra purchase and we had the whole to... thing you had stickers that you put on to write yes. your name so that yeah. way you knew which one was which you would get the cool uh, third-party see-through ones if you wanted yep. yeah yeah mm-hmm. shout out to mad cats mm. oh yeah so much of our money back then and none of it now such um, a small like a what is a huge part of gaming history oh yeah just gone it's weird it's bizarre it's very weird yeah yeah unless but, you're the vita and you have to spend a lot of money for those oh yeah um well <laughs> That is that is absolutely crushing. Did you? I assume you eventually went back and replayed. Oh, eventually, eventually but, yeah, yeah, but it 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 hurt. Yeah, it hurt. <laughs> that is that is so tough. But I I appreciate you sharing that pain with us. Yes. But no, thank you. Thank you. I yeah, I have had many. Uh, oh, I forgot to save. Or uh, for me, it was a lot of uh, less memory card related ones and more handhelds where I'd leave it on, and then forget that I left it on, mm-hmm. and then it would die. And I'd lose hours of. I stopped many Pokemon games because I'd lose like ten hours of progress because I forgot to oh, yeah. charge it. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. But yeah, I know that paid very well. But uh, th- thank you, thank you for sharing yes. that one with us, uh, Joseph. Do you want to share any before we wrap up? Uh, just one comment about Mad Cat's controllers. <laughs> um, that's where my memory card is, slot's going to be right here, right now, because okay. you always like nowadays. You're like you know you're the you're the you're you're like the third wheel to your friend group when it's like oh this game only has four players but sorry we're like uh oh, destiny's only three players i sorry man this is you know go go you know go go watch a star war um <laughs> where to me it was you got the mad cats controller just like the one on screen where like one analog stick shorter than the other yep. you know oh yeah <laughs> it's the a buttons are very contr- sticky yeah for no like it's like was this used no brand new uh it it has like a b x y and it's like this is a playstation controller you you know this right a turbo Um, button that i don't think i ever figured out nobody figured it out exactly it's gaming's last great mystery last great mystery and to me one of the the one of the best controllers ever made was not made by playstation was not made by xbox it was made by logitech and I want someone to, to 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 call out in the comments what this controller was. It was the PS2 wireless controller. I remember it, my friend giving me that controller. He's like, "This is not the Mad Cats controller. You're still you're in the circle. <laughs> Trust me, this one's wireless." And I I I felt it, and it was like I felt real level. Like I was just like this. <laughs> my hand is just forming perfectly on this controller so shout out to you logitech shout out to you connor 
um, for showing me the light that was Logitech PS2 wireless controller. Huh. I don't think I've ever used a Logitech controller. Now that I think it kind of looked like, and this is why, like when the PS3 came out, like the 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 Boomerang controller, they're like, this is just a prototype. Yeah. I was so upset when that they didn't follow through. I feel like that's the <laughs> biggest failure. I think you were the only looked, one. I, yeah, I because I'm just like, yes, this looks like the Logitech one. This one, that's it's real level. This is great. Things would have been real different if that was the official DualShock. Oh yeah. Oh they yeah. Would have, they would have moved to the new DualShock like even faster than they did for yes, the six axis. Absolutely. Probably. I feel like just the console war would be over. PlayStation One. Yep, that's all we need. That was the thing that we all missed. Um, though you speaking, of, I did just want that briefly brought to mind. I did think of uh, wireless controllers. The first time I ever held a WaveBird. I was like, I don't need mm. a, a cord for this. It's free and it yeah. moves and it feels great. It was like life changing. And now it's just the standard. Now it's like, yeah. oh, I need to use a wired controller. Why? Um, it's just I remember. Difference. I remember my one friend in middle school or elementary brought in a wave bird, and he was just like, "Look, I imported it from Japan," and we're like, <laughs> "What? Amazing. This is like the height of technologies there." <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the days when, like, you would hear about a thing a year later, because that was the time we had to wait. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. Well, thank you both for sharing those memory card stories with us. Again, if you want to share one at home, you can write in to beyond at IGN.com with the subject line memory card, and we'll we'll read them on the show every week we can. Uh, but that is going to pretty much wrap us up for this week's episode. Very quickly before we go, uh, obviously just want to, again, thank you both so much. Where can people find you on Twitter? Uh, Joseph, we'll start with you. Yeah, you can find me over at Mr. Badbit. You can find the show over at PS Trophy Room on Twitter, or you can find the podcast wherever you find your podcast service of choice, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play. We even have the video version of the show at the Trophy Room, a PlayStation podcast. Again, each and every Thursday, me and my best friend Kyle talk about the latest, the greatest in all things PlayStation. And we got so much to talk about the past few weeks. So definitely tune on in if you liked hearing our voices, you want to hear more of this sultry tone. Which I don't, I don't see why not. You know, I feel like Can't we crushed this that. episode. Yeah, you guys. Yeah, it's have a banger of a time. Yeah, absolute banger All right, Kyle. Time. All right, enough. Um, okay. uh, this Kyle, is actually the last episode you? of the trophy room. <laughs> <laughs> but weirdly, it happened to Beyond. But this is somehow the know, last episode weird. of your guys. The last. Um, yeah, that's how it works. Beyond can somehow cancel you guys, but you can cancel us. It's very strange. <laughs> Man, I don't understand right. it. What a power dynamic. <laughs> <laughs> but weirdly, we both can cancel. P.S. I love you. Fair enough. That's just how it happens. Kyle, where can people find you? And what, what else do you want to? Yeah, like? you can find me at Mr. Ksep on Twitter and pretty much everywhere. Uh, if you want to check out what's coming on the indie game uh, front, I co-founded a site called 61indie.com. That's S-I-X-O-N-E-I-N-D-I-E. -E. We do a 61 Indie cast every single week where we deep dive into the indie games. And we're partnering with our friends at Point in Progress for what we're titling Hot Game Summer, where we're live reacting to all the showcases, including a next Saturday. Uh, there's like four indie showcases uh, that we're live streaming on twitch.tv slash 61 indie. Um, and yeah, go check them out. Indie games rule. More people should play them. So they we talked a lot about showcases and what were some of the good ones. 61 did one of the best showcases, not oh, just for indies, you. but just ever. So yeah, we, we put out. on our own showcase uh, 20 minutes of unannounced indie games. You can go check that out on the 61 indie YouTube channel. Yeah, y'all y'all did a great job with that showcase and, and continue to do awesome coverage of indies. You're right, they are rad and people should play them. And you guys do a great job of highlighting Thank them. you very much. Um, but yeah, I uh, had something else I was going to say and now I completely forgot. So that's just me. All I'm going to say is, uh, you know, if you 
I have nothing to plug because it's just been a busy time other than, you know, all the, the state of plays and the live shows and all that stuff we're doing. Please stay tuned to IGN for all of that amazing stuff throughout the summer of gaming. Uh, but also if you're into Art of the Level, uh, I should have some cool ones coming up in the coming weeks. So look forward to those. And if you haven't watched my past ones, please go check them out. They're on IGN and YouTube. Ghost of Tsushima, Last of Us Part Two, uh, Uncharted 4. Really, really great, wonderful insight from the devs who made those games and a lot of cool stuff. But uh, yeah, other than that, uh, Joseph and Kyle, thank you so much for joining me. This was a blast, a banger of an episode. And uh, slanger, really... some would say. <laughs> nope. Yes. Nope. No one says that. Uh, I heard it once. Uh, but yeah, it has been uh, a joy to have you both on. I'm really, really glad we can make this happen. Uh, and yeah. and uh, please come back sometime. It's, it's oh, anytime, Jonathan. Thanks for having anytime. us. Of thank course. You, thank you. And uh, thank you, as always, to Red, our producer, for making the show happen behind the scenes. And thank you to everyone out there for listening and watching. We hope you're doing well. We hope you're staying safe. We hope you're enjoying this summer game extravaganza of excitement. And we'll be back next week. But as always, beyond. 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 Hey, Jenny, have you um, ever heard of a vampire slayer? Do you mean the one girl in all the world with the strength and skill to fight the vampires, demons, and forces of darkness? I do. Oh, yeah. I've heard of her. Cool. My name is Jenny Owen Youngs. And I'm Kristen Russo. And together, we spent six years watching every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, one at a time, podcasting about each and every one. Never seen Buffy before? We will protect you. Our podcast is spoiler-free, so first-time viewers can listen along safely. Ever thought to yourself, I wish someone was brave enough to write an original song for every single episode of Buffy? <laughs> Your search is at an end, my friend, because we did exactly that. So if you've never watched Buffy or if you're about to watch the series for the 14th time, come over and join us. Our podcast is called Buffering the Vampire Slayer, and you can learn more about it at BufferingCast.com. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.